obviously want to dig into the new tunes and talk about the band and look in the rear view mirror a little bit and get your opinion on a couple things. But um, let's start with sure. these uh, first few new tunes. We got uh, you and I and Tongue Tied, and were they kind of uh, born out of the pandemic, or had you been sitting on these for a few? Uh, well, Tongue Tied is a song up of our second album, too. So that has definitely been sitting in the hopper for quite a while. We just reimagined it unplugged we wanted to do a nice version of it to accompany you and i since you and i is you know essentially a, a positive love love song so you know we know that valentine's day when we released these songs isn't a day that everybody appreciates as much as others so i felt like it was a good idea to to have a little something for everybody and you and i is relatively new it's, yeah shortly into the pandemic is when we wrote it and we finished it and then we were trying to figure out you know when to release it and of course pandemic stuff got in the way we finally got to a point where we said hey we want to put this out we were getting close to valentine's day and i we just felt like it was just a good day to unleash some new earshot music and i'm sure it was good to have something to kind of work on to focus on during the pandemic to help keep you sane during some crazy times well, that's right. And we also put out another single during the pandemic called Been a Long Time. And, and we did a version of Alanis Morissette's Uninvited, which came out really, really great as well. But Been a Long Time and you and I, you know, mark the two original songs that we've released since Aaron and Mike and, and John and Andy have come into the band. So this is stuff that we were planning on doing before the pandemic hit. So yeah, writing is was definitely something that you know, help to stay a little bit sane as much as we could anyway through the pandemic. Now, are we building towards an album or is it just a singles world we're living in these days in your eyes? I'm a stringent analyzer of things out there. And I feel like, you know, for our fans in, in rock, they don't listen to music in the same way that they used to when they used to listen to an album. So I think for now, unless I, you know, see something different, I think for now, singles is going to be our way forward. Maybe maybe an EP will be, you know, a happy compromise. I don't know. I just think also there's something really cool with putting out music in sort of real time. In other words, if we put out songs every one to two months, like we're planning on doing moving forward, you know, it gives fans a, a better sense of where we're at in our lives, in our world, in real time versus a song that, you know, we wrote a year and a half, two years ago that's just now coming out. So I think there's really something cool about that. And that's how we're going to go for now anyways. Hey, it's a wild, wild west, and it's certainly worth a try. And I, I see your point, and it is kind of cool that you're really like developing with the band in real time. Yeah, correct. And, you know, because a lot of times when, you know, in the past when we've put out full length albums, like I said, they're a year and a half, two years old almost. And we've already moved, we're already writing new stuff, you know, that's already in the can that we're working on. So we want to offer our fans, you know, a fresh loaf of bread, not, you know, something that was on the baker's <laughs> shelf in the back, you know. <laughs> on sale for a dollar type thing so for clearance um, clearance exactly exactly the clearance bin it just feels fresher and quite honestly it challenges us more as artists as well to stay on pace to really focus on getting out what we promise fans to get out and we'll see but i think it's going to be great and like i said if things change then you know we'll go back to putting out albums if that's you know what people 
tell us that they want to do. But the consensus seems to be, you know, streaming is here to stay. There's a million songs that come out every day. And it's really hard to get people and to ask them to pay attention, you know, to 10 to 14 songs. It's really, really tough. No, I hear you. I mean, I'm I'm old school. I still love the album and, and really spending an hour with an album or however long it is, but digging into it. But certainly argument can be made, like you said, for this day and age and, and the way everyone streams music to just kind of spoon feed it. And at the same time, just say, hey, just listen to this, not all, you know, all 12 of these offerings all at once. So really interesting. Yeah. And you had touched on it and I certainly wanted to. How the hell did Aaron Fink become a part of the band? How did that happen? <laughs> So Aaron and I, you know, go way back when we used to tour together, you know, when he was in Breaking Ben, you know, we were out and we did uh, probably total a couple of weeks, maybe a few weeks worth of shows together. You know, Aaron and I are kind of cut from the same cloth. We grew up on the same music. We have a very similar taste in really obscure tracks, you know, from different artists. And when we first met, we just instantly sort of clicked. And I remember, you know, anytime we were playing shows together, he'd come over to my bus and we'd hang out in the back lounge and we'd just play music, sharing music back and forth, playing DJ, eager to play, like, check this song out, check this song about this artist and smoke cigarettes and drink. And then we'd go play a show and then we'd come right back to the bus. And I mean, it was a beautiful and blossoming bromance, if, if ever the <laughs> definition was, it was that. And so cut to 2019 when we started to reactivate and we got some offers to do shows. He had actually texted me to see if I was interested in singing on a, on a song that he was doing for a, a solo project that he was cutting at the time. And of course I said, yes, but then I called him up and I said, Hey, I have shows coming and I'm in the process of reactivating this project, this band. And would you like to participate? And he didn't hesitate. He's like, dude, I'm in. I've always been a big fan of your voice. And so, yeah, and we did a few shows in 2019 and then the pandemic happened. So kind of took a, a you know what. We actually were going to work on a whole entire album. So it wasn't until the pandemic where we sort of decided to kind of, you know, start doing stuff, you know, song by song. Plus it helps us, you know, tell the story of each song too, which I think in the absence of CDs and physical media, I think the story of a song is the next closest tangible thing that we have that fans have to really being able to connect with. You touched on needing Aaron for some live shows. Do we have any shows in the foreseeable future coming up? Not yet. We're talking about a few things that might come up, um, but nothing solidified yet. We're hoping to, you know, at least do some shows, maybe some fly dates here and there, or even, you know, a cluster of shows. But I think really we're kind of resigned to the fact that it might not be till spring of next year, possibly at the worst. But in the best case, you know, maybe the summer and fall, we'll start to do some stuff here and there. Man, I couldn't let it go without talking. You mentioned Aaron and, and geeking out over music. Come on, you had to geek out over Lifer with him, too. I'm sure you were a Lifer fan like I was, man. Boring and, oh, so many good jams. Back when we were shopping for a manager, their then-manager, Carl Stubner, uh, was managing them. And I remember, because Carl was very much try, trying to, to get us as a client and I first heard Lifer because we were looking for a second guitar player at the time. And I guess they, their record had just come out on, I can't remember, maybe it was Universal yeah. or, or Atlantic, I can't remember. But, um, Universal Republic. Yes, 
I guess the record had come out, but, you know, there were some problems, you know, at the record label and they were having a bit of a tough time. And so he had played me Lifer because he wanted me to listen to Aaron Fink and think of him as a potential candidate, you know, for the other guitar player that I was wow. looking for. We had already had someone in mind. That's what Carl did not know at the time, but um, it all worked out for the best because Aaron then went on to Breaking Benjamin. So, I mean... He did all right either way, but it's just, it's <laughs> ironic how the whole circle, you know, has come back, you know, and here we are. Yeah, crazy. It's like it was meant to be. It was kismet. He was meant to be yeah. in earshot. <laughs> yes, yes. Dude, speaking about old tours, got to gotta talk a little Snowcore from back in the day. And cer- oh, wow. Certainly with us being an Inland Empire radio station, you're in L.A., you know where the IE is. Our, our uh, pride yep. and glory was on that tour with you, Alien Ant Farm, and there's got to be a Dryden story or, or 12 or so. Oh, try like 100,000 stories. Man, <laughs> holy crap. I found the the tour book that our tour manager made at the time, you know, real nice laminated cover. And it had all the, each page had the venue and the date and all the amenities and the time. I mean, it was, so it's funny that you mentioned that because I just came across that. What a great tour that was. And I think, you know, the standout memory for me about that tour was Glassjaw. I had never heard of the band Glassjaw at that time because they weren't getting any radio play here in LA at the time and and certainly (laughs) streaming was nowhere what it is today then but I remember going who is this Glassjaw band and and everywhere we went there were Glassjaw like a sea of Glassjaw t-shirts and I remember thinking to myself well I've never heard of them in LA so we come to LA there there can't be this many rabid fans and but I was wrong I mean there were so many Glassjaw fans and and so for me, that tour reminded me, I got to see Glassjaw so many times and I never got sick of watching that band. So <laughs> that was the most memorable thing about the tour. Aside from, it was a very fun tour. It was a very cold tour. It was awesome. We had a, a great time on that tour and made a lot of friends on that tour as well. Any any Dryden story you can share? There's got to be one, him trying to sell you his Italian wristwatch or something. Ah, Dryden stories. So I believe on that tour... I think that's when we we got a bus finally, and it was an old bus. So we got an old bus because it was cheap. But anytime we hit an incline, we slowed down to like 25 miles an hour. I mean, it took us forever (laughs) to get anywhere. It was like, holy crap. Like we probably could walk and get there maybe about the same time. But that's one of the things. Honestly, there's so many stories that I could tell you, Mike, that we'd be on this call for two, three hours. Easy. Easy. Yeah, because they're stories that I have to give context to. So they're kind of long-winded and, you know, so on and so forth. But, you know, I'm happy to meet up with you one of these days and grab a beer. And, and they're great stories. I sure. love it, man. I love it. Love to do that anytime. Dude, let me just bug you about one other thing I wanted to hit you with and, and geek out a little bit about. Because we're one of those old school radio stations we do every night at 10 o'clock mandatory Metallica, which you're going to be a part of. So I wanted to dig into your Metallica fandom a little bit. Do you remember who, when, where, how, why you first heard Metallica? So first off, I'm probably one of the biggest Metallica super fans. In fact, I have the, the set of the figures of Metallica displayed. Nice. Proudly on my shelf. Huge Metallica fan. I learned of Metallica. I was, I think, 13 years old. And my best friend, elementary school or high school, had a a jean jacket on. He had taken the T-shirt 
and cut out the front of the shirt that had the Master Puppets album cover, and he sewed it onto the back of his jean jacket. And that's when I first saw the name. And then he was a huge Metallica fan, and so he turned me on to constant Ride the Lightning, Kill Them All, Master of Puppets, which was a fantastic album. And then Metallica, back then I wasn't singing it. I, I wanted to be a guitar hero back then. So I was originally a guitar player. I learned by ear and I learned by learning Metallica songs, taking a cassette tape, hitting rewind, play, rewind, play. I think I wore out probably 50 copies of each of their albums trying to learn <laughs> until CDs finally came along and, and helped out. But Metallica, it, it doesn't really get any better than that. And I'm, not, and I'm not surprised that they're still around to this day, still selling out stadiums. Amazing. And it's crazy that that uh, the Black Album is now 30, just turned 30 last year. It feels like that's like new Metallica. I know. I know. You know, are you are you from here, Mike? Are you, were you, yeah, SoCal. SoCal, born okay. and raised. So you remember the Tower Records line, I mean, here in mm-hmm. Hollywood, I mean, was down around the block for that album when it came out. I mean, that album was just gargantuan. They were playing it everywhere. And it really was a great album through and through. And I had a roommate at the time that was working at the recording studio at One on One Studios, and he was an assistant on that record. So every day I got the download of like what what they worked on that day. and, And he kept telling me like how a bit of a departure it was from the earlier records, but how that it was really, really, the tones were amazing and it was going to blow people's minds. And, and then he was right. And how lucky. I actually got to meet James Hetfield. They had just finished recording that record and they were doing two or three nights at the Forum, I think it was at the time. And we were at the Rainbow on a Tuesday night, me and my roommate, as we often were there. And I remember I was talking to some friends at the table and he came and he interrupted. He goes, hey, there's someone here I want you to meet. And I went, yeah, yeah, I'll give me a minute. I'll be right there. And he came back again, like, hey, there's someone I want to introduce you to. Like, come on, let me finish this. He goes, just come on. So I go with him and I'm like, this better be good. Like you just interrupted the discussion. I feel rude. And it was a slow night. There wasn't anybody there. So we go into the bar part of the rainbow and standing there all by himself is James Hetfield just with a drink in his hand standing by himself at the bar and he, my roommate introduced me to him and I remember thinking holy crap this guy's tall like, he's huge <laughs> the giant <laughs> and he was so nice and so cool and he asked us if we were going to go to the show and you know we were you know broke and you know alcoholics at the time and we're like we can't really afford tickets and he set us up all three nights with tickets passes wow unbelievable so one of my favorite stories was that story because it was so impromptu but i'm a huge 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 metallic fan despite a couple or a few records that they put out that weren't that great but i still bought them anyways and i still have them today just because i'm a fan no, you know, baseball player bats a thousand like no one's going to always knock it out of the park. But by and large part, they have throughout their career. And even the albums that aren't great, there's still songs on there that you can find and dig into. And speaking of tunes, now comes the hard part, Will. You got to pick a Metallica song to play on Mandatory Metallica. Anyone? Believe it or not, I'm going to go with Black and Oh, yeah, that's a popular pick. That's it. And that was the very first tune I ever heard from Metallica. Yeah, what a great song. And Justice for All was the, you know, as you know, is the record that everyone talks about for the lack of bass on it. But we blew up a lot of stereos with that album. <laughs> I was like, you know, we were driving them so hard, you know. I mean, what a fabulous, fantastic record, though. And that was actually, it was on that tour. That was when I first saw Metallica Live was on the Injustice for All tour. 
Yeah, me too. Hey, since you touched on it, give me your two cents on the the lack of bass on that album. What was your thoughts? Did you even notice at the time, or was it not till later, till you learned more about music and, and got in the business that went, hey, there's some bass missing? I thought that they did that by design. They they were really going for that metallic sound. That's the feeling it kind of gave me that album overall. Because it lacked, it was very, it was very crisp album sonically and it, it did have that metallic sound so i thought it was by design i didn't there have been some people that have added the bass in there right know, right i think i like it the way that they did it though i think there was a very purposeful reason why they decided to mix it that way to mix it that low again maybe it's because i was a, a fledgling you know guitar player and so and that's what you were getting was a big heaping dose of big, heavy, distorted guitars and, and Lars's drums. And so maybe that's why I didn't mind it as much, but I still don't mind it today the way that it is. Beautiful, man. Thank you so much for the time. And, uh, man, I hope, hope there is a, a tour or show that comes uh, around SoCal area and I can see you guys live. Been way too long. Totally, man. No, and thank you for, for helping us out with this, man. I really appreciate it. It's definitely a million times helpful, you know, getting us back out there helping us with this process. But and man, and I'm serious, but anytime you're in the air and you want to grab a drink, man, I'm I'm down. Love it, man. Yeah, I'd love to. And I'll I'll connect with Shauna. Shauna I've known for got twenty plus years. We're we're old friends too. And uh maybe all three of us go get a drink sometime. Sounds great, my man. Sounds great. Have a great weekend, Will. Thanks for the time. You too, buddy. Yep, you bet. Bye bye. Bye bye. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety, available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming online at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.